You're listening to the 405 Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Everything Everything. With three albums, Everything Everything have cemented themselves as being one of the most creative bands around. That ascension continues with their upcoming fourth album, A Fever Dream. The album features the band at their best, with their skills honed and sharpened to perfection. The ingredients of wit, eclectic sounds, and grandiose moments are all prominent within A Fever Dream. To find out how the album was made, I chatted with both Jeremy and Jonathan from the band. And yeah, this is the 405 Podcast of Everything Everything. Enjoy. So, when you make an album like Get to Heaven, an album that truly challenges your band in such a massive way, it, it led me to wonder, because I really do love that album. Out of all the albums you made, that's definitely my favorite one so far. But hearing an album like that, it makes me wonder, where do you go? Like, where does a band, after touring an album like that, go? Actually, it, it didn't feel like too much of a challenge to start moving straight into a fourth album. It was it was kind of, we had all our crises already in the run-up to Get to Heaven. So we, and touring that album, the reception that that album got was the, um, was the kind of shot in the arm and the confidence boost we needed just to roll straight into this album. But also what we learned about making that album meant that we knew it had to be a little bit more slickly executed and just a bit more enjoyable and just to trust ourselves and each other a little bit more. So that's the way in which that album informed this one. It wasn't really, we didn't really feel that it, it cast its shadow. It just gave us a lot of confidence and a, and, and a lot of freedom. That's really beautiful to hear. And, you know, listening to this album, um, A Fever Dream, it was really interesting because I felt like when I was finished with the record, I found it like it was understated in some areas, but not as reserved as Ark was. I felt like it was like you were able to still create these big moments. Uh, Desire being a really prime example of that. And st- while still yeah. keeping things a bit leveled. Like, do you feel that was deliberate in some ways where you didn't want things to be too bombast, but you still wanted to be able to make yeah. things as loud as possible? We're always just we try to do something different to the previous record just instinctively, I think, because we don't want to repeat ourselves. We don't want to just make the same thing twice in a row. And you're right as well, because the kind of intensity bar that we'd set really, really high on Get to Heaven, we just didn't feel that we needed to keep that up and that we could be a little bit loose around the edges and have some of that tenderness. I mean, you've mentioned art there. You know, some of those moods that we've completely neglected for one album are back on this album. Yeah. yeah. In the next record, maybe you know, the most intense thing ever, or maybe the most subtle and the most reserved, you know, we'll see. Reserved is a good word for it. It's interesting what you said there earlier, though, about the fact that you guys have never, uh, you never want to make the same album again or to, you know, utilize the same sounds, because I feel like that's such a touchstone with your band in general, even all the way back to Man Alive with the first album. It's like every song had such an eclectic vibe to it, and I feel like that's been a very common thread with all the work that you guys have made over the years yeah definitely it's kind of one of our like golden rules is to not repeat or try and push ourselves and not get comfy and and react against ourselves as well i mean it's ending up as a kind of seesaw but yeah it's kind of <laughs> something and and the extremes are maybe less so and we know what we're good at etc etc we, we learn those as we go it's never that overt, though. It's never explicit, really. We just naturally veer away from what we've done before. 
I I wonder though, because so many bands and artists say that, and I feel like what's interesting with everything, everything specifically, is in terms of the contextual aspect of this conversation, I feel like the extremes are so high, and I wonder, is that ever stressful for you guys to be in a studio environment to like figure out how you're going to hash out these songs? Does, Does every song have different versions of them because it feels like it does like they some must. of them do some of them, some of them are really are, remain very true to the demo um, um, and some of them go through nine different lives um, before we settle on a version I mean Big Game for example was the first thing that we we started for this album and that as the first child got loads and loads of kind of scrutiny and undue attention as, as is often the case and then it wasn't really due to go on the record and we kind of saved it at the 11th hour we came up with yet another version that we actually were really happy with and that we felt contributed a mood that hadn't that we hadn't covered elsewhere in the songs we were writing for the album wow you know to many who hear this album i feel like they'll find that this album was a bit of a continuation from get to heaven especially thematically now i remember mm-hmm. like when you guys were promoting for get to heaven a big aspect was you guys weren't trying to write about um, these big themes of the world. It, it was very much something that just kind of happened. Where do you feel you guys were at the end of touring Forget to Heaven and what you wanted to write about and what you wanted the album to reflect, a fever dream specifically? Um, I think the main, I mean, one of the only things you can say for sure about recent history is that it's felt strange. Um, and very strange that's you know it's a quite a basic sensation but it's one that you know i didn't used to feel certainly and um it felt like how do, how can you describe it it feels like a dream it feels like a fever dream it seemed to be the obvious the only way to approach it really because it moves so fast i can't really try and comment on individual events or for where things are going because things veer in different directions every week and, and it's also it's just been said by everyone now it's kind of boring to, to make a record about these things and I'm not boring but it's it's everywhere so everyone has an opinion on everything and who needs another one you know who needs my opinion really I, I'd much rather talk about the uh, the internal struggle of it all and what it makes people feel like in their day-to-day lives rather than these big global events and trying to trying to add comment into this sea of shit that's everywhere i'd rather talk about just a little guy on the street and what he thinks about it or you know me basically or me and you you know why why do i hate everybody now and why does everyone everyone hate me yeah that's that's what's happened in my life and uh i don't know what trump's thinking you know i don't know what to say about these big things i thought they would it was in danger of happening. Some of it did happen. I'm not going to try and guess what the hell's going to happen next. No, absolutely. You know, I I want to touch on that a little bit more because specifically that matter of like where we are now, just as people. I, I think what's really interesting is that there's, there's so much um, dualities that exist that you have to wrestle with in life, and one of them being that. We live in this society where everyone's kind of connected on the internet, and there's a lot of noise and talking. But you could also argue that people talk so little now in terms of their differences and their opinions really yeah if there's a difference of opinion they just get they just kick kick them out or they leave themselves and there's never really any kind of um compromise it's the the echo chamber and the the outrage kind of cycle 
that everyone seems to enjoy. And people aren't communicating with real people in the real world either. I mean, that's always more effective, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's very easy to dismiss views that are expressed in 140 characters by somebody on the other side of the world that you will never meet, and whose life you have no understanding of. Yeah. Yeah, I think for a lot of people who aren't involved in music, like people who aren't musicians, I think that's one of those things that makes the asp just the very functionality of musicians to be very, um, I, I don't want to say mystifying, but I feel that's the best word to describe it in the context of today, because take your band, for example, yeah, there's four of you, and then there's a producer like James Ford who worked on this album, and even though you guys have a singular vision that you're working towards, you're still all individual people, and you have to come together and utilize your own thoughts and opinions and work together. I mean, in a lot of ways, that works so counter in tandem with what we deal with today, in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, strange that. I think it gets harder to do as you get older as well. Although, in some ways, it gets easier as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's a good point, that. It's, um, bands are pretty unique ecosystems, but that spirit of collaboration is, is definitely something to, to cherish. It's really something beautiful, and the fact, I mean, I, we've talked a couple a couple times over the years, and I always talk very fondly about your albums, but it comes from a very true place, because I've, I've said it before, if, like, art can get to heaven, and I'm saying it again now, with Fever Dream, it's like, I've never heard anything like this before. Like, I can honestly say with all your records, I've never heard the things I've heard prior to listening to your music. Like, it blows my mind that you're able to consistently do that. Wow, thanks, thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. Well, you've made it. Like, you, you, this is the music you make, you know what I mean? Um, you know, this album made me think about something very specific, and it's it's going to be a bit of a heady question, but mm. I, I feel like it, I'd be kind of remiss not asking you guys this. I feel like an album like this opens itself to a lot of um, interpretations and misconceptions, and I'm sure you've heard, like, some opinions of it already or seen some stuff written... I'm curious from you two, and I would love to hear from you both about this. Where do you feel some people might be right in what they're thinking about this album, or where do you think they might be wrong? Not necessarily the lyrical content, though that might be a part of it, but just like, have you seen any opinions? I haven't read anything, haven't read anything that anyone said about it, and that's how I deal with it. Really? Yeah, and I didn't do that. I did. I did that on the last album as well, and I was just much happier. You can't. You can't escape the gist of what people think of the record or the star rating or whatever, because everyone else is reading and talking about it. But I'm much happier not going under the hood in that way. It's just, it, there's something very distorting about reading about yourself in the third person, even when it's positive. Or you read a positive review and you'll think that it's undeserved because they've missed the point in some way. So and none of that is true. It's just, we're, I'm too neurotic for it, so I just don't read anything. I don't, I don't really know to what you refer to be honest, and I have read them, but do you mean people misinterpreting lyrics or misinterpreting what we're trying to do musically? Or uh, I guess like a combination of both, because I remember specifically you, Jonathan, like last time, yeah. I remember um, sometimes when people found, when it was sometimes people would find themselves describing the music as weird or complex. I remember sometimes it could be a bit of frustration for you in terms of just like, and we talked about this before, you and I, where the music was a lot more direct than people gave it credit for. Yes. Yeah, that's not really for us to say, though. I mean, we get annoyed about technical things. Like, people will say that we use complicated time signatures, which we very, very, very rarely do. But that's just because we're kind of technical nerds. It's, it's, just, it's just people using the wrong vernacular. It's not actually harmful or misunderstanding. I mean, it's all in the eye of the beholder, really. Yeah, it's a lot more contextual, I guess, in that regard. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, people will still categorize us as like boffins and all this, these ridiculous terms because we're, you know, making slightly more complicated music than some people are. I mean, we're, I mean, if you went to an actual complex band and said, listen to everything, everything, they, you know, they're really, <laughs> they absolutely piss themselves off. <laughs> Sir Island Head or <laughs> the really, really, really mathy bands, they they wouldn't find what we do in any way complicated. They would find it deeply trivial, I'm sure. Yeah, deeply trivial. So <laughs> I think, yeah. but you know, that's what I find is so intriguing about like, you know, not to hammer on too much about this, but that's something that's always, I've been intrigued by that, that reaction because I've seen you guys live several times and of course listened to your records and something I find to be very interesting is that there feels to be like this connective tissue that when you when one listens to your records or see you live, it's so clear that it's a band function in the sense that the aspect of there being rules about uh, Jeremy does this or Jonathan does that doesn't exist. Like I, I could even see that if there was a song that it felt fitting for Jeremy to play drums, he would just do it, and I like that. Like I think that comes across in the musical aspect. Like it could go anywhere. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's true. To some extent, I mean, I wouldn't be able to play the drums, <laughs> but I know what you mean. I mean, the, the, we, one of the reasons we've never put instrumental credits in the sleeve is because everybody's kind of looks the same. Everybody does a little bit of everything within within their own boundaries. Certainly, I mean, the, the, those sort of on stage roles do do kind of evaporate when we're in the studio. That's something with lots of, lots of our favorite bands do when you just see someone walk over to the keyboard and then pick up the guitar and then walk over to the xylophone or whatever. It's just cool. It just it's it's more about the music and more about serving the song. Yeah, serving the song. The, one of the best things, still one of the things I think is 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 fucking awesome. And sorry to bring up Radiohead. <laughs> it's when Ed just sits down and manipulates Tom's voice in everything in its right place. You know, he's he's a guitarist, but he's there just messing around with a with a recording of Tom's voice for the whole song. Oh, and oh. it's like, yeah, that's because why does he have to be the guitarist all the time? There's no guitar in the song, you know. And that's ridiculously that's uh, groundbreaking to see. And bands sort of refuse to do it quite often, or they don't think about it. And it's rigidly sticking to your instrument. Oh shit, he's gone. Where's he gone? No, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah, no, I'm still here. Don't oh. worry. I was, <laughs> I was, I was just listening. I was. It said connection lost on the screen. Oh shit! Luckily, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, rigidly sticking to your instrument is just um, unnecessary, really. I don't. It doesn't need to be it's done. Restrictive and it's egotistical. Yeah, and you know, I, I just want to say, because I know the aspect of bringing up Radiohead in a, a music interview is almost kind of, it's super comical and almost typical, but I think what makes it very fitting is that, um, so I mean, I saw them a couple times on this most recent album run, and yeah. it wasn't my first time seeing them, but it was my first time seeing them where I was very much um, deliberately paying attention, and I, I, I found myself thinking that if I was in a band myself, it would almost feel like a very... Um, I'd almost feel like it must have been... If you're in a band, watching Radiohead must be like a religious experience in the context that seeing the fact they're able to just do so much on stage and just jump between so many things, all of them, it's mind-blowing. Like, yeah, amazing. I that. I mean, they have been a kind of guiding light in our um, approaches to music since we were like 13. So their influence is undeniable on us, certainly. Yeah, but... 
But I think what's very fitting in that sense, in the contrast between the both of you, is it, it's radically different bands, but I feel like where the common thread is is the fact that, just as we talked about you guys in the studio, you guys do what you want to do in service to a song. Like, that's very much what they do. I think did that as well, though, and, and there are other bands, you know, the great experimentalists of the last 50, 60 years, if they're in a group in that traditional setup, then they will let it flex. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a really good I, mean, I don't honestly know what goes on in most bands' recording situations, but no, it's different for everybody. Yeah, but those two bands are, the, are specifically the ones we've held up as a kind of model for creativity. The Beatles and Radiohead within that band context, which is still something we we appreciate. You know, if we didn't, then we'd all be laptop guys, solo laptop guys. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'll tell you what would be a hell of a lot more profitable. <laughs> I could imagine because the the live uh, operation of everything, everything, it's a lot more. I mean, last time you guys toured like the UK and Europe, like the lighting setup you guys had, everything that was massive. Like, is that gonna be? Is it gonna be like that again this time? Like, you know, quite. Do you, are you working on like a lighting rig and everything? We are kind of working on. Just Sunday, completely yeah. in the dark this year. <laughs> that would be uh, again more affordable. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it would partially work thematically with the album, too, so that's not too, such a bad idea, to be honest. Yeah, you fall asleep. It's a dream, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Just put the CD on and, and don't bother doing the show. Uh, so, um, you guys worked with James Ford on this album, which is fucking massive. I really want to ask about that, but I want to ask about it a bit differently than others have asked, because surely every single person you talk to asks you about James Ford. But I want to ask this. Um... I want to know what it was like to have him with you, mus- not only musically, but what was it like to have him there as a person? Because he's a fellow musician, he plays drums and he DJs, and I really want to hear more about that relationship, of what's it like to have a producer who clearly comes from a, a musician mindset, kind of guiding with you. Like, what is that like? Um, it, it feels like having another, like a, an, a long-lasting collaborator in the room, somebody who already talks our language and is on our wavelength, someone who's been in bands, Someone who's used to building music from the ground up as a drummer as well. So he was, I mean, on a technical level, really, really detailed with the drum tracks. Spent loads and loads of time with Mike, exhausting the options on drum sounds and drum parts. Um, and that gave us such a great foundation to, to build upon. And he's just, you know, he's got the same sort of enthusiastic, uh, questing mind that when we're at our best, we all have as well. And, and he never seems to tire of, of wanting to, to muck around with things and different ideas and try stuff out. And that's really, it's really encouraging and it's really infectious attitude to have as well. It's really nice to have somebody who can make it all feel like fun and easy and like the privilege that it actually is. Yeah, him being a drummer was a first for us. We've always worked with keyboard players. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and Mike's always suffered a little bit. Um, because he's uh, he's a bit like that, <laughs> and um, so having a drummer was great because he could talk drums with him, and and James is really quick to to uh, talk drums, and it's a big a big deal. He's a guitarist as well; he can play everything um, at the drop of a hat. So that makes a big difference when you can when someone understands what you're doing and what you can and can't do, and when you're pushing yourself and things like that. It makes it much. Uh, much more of a slick process. I love that, and I, I want to touch a little bit more of what you said about mucking about, because I remember last year I talked to um, Jimmy from Falls, and they worked with James on uh, What Went Down, 
I remember mm-hmm. something that he said that really stuck with me because I've loved James' work for years. He said that having James in the room with you not only he said it not only um, invigorated their uh, vision and their passion, but like seeing someone who is so willing to be invested in their own work made them want to feel just as invested as him. Like he was telling me there were times where they felt like oh, God, like, this record could feel, you know, make a record feel so all-consuming, but James being so for trying new things made them just as excited. They wanted to be just as excited as he was, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what I meant by that kind of infectious attitude. You know, he, he works... All of us could kind of wander in and out of the control room as our own energy would dictate, but he's there 16 hours a day, and he's got enough energy and enough... Um, ideas for all of us really and to keep us all entertained and nourished and engaged and actually Jimmy's Jimmy's recommendation Jimmy and the other guys in Tolls um, what they had to say about working with him is one of the reasons we wanted to approach him in the first place because they all came back from the south of France with that doing that record with him just just so happy and having really enjoyed themselves and, and ah we lost him no, no I'm here I'm still here <laughs> oh, something, something else um, Skype everybody. We, we needed a, we needed a recording experience like that because Get to Heaven had been quite nerve wracking, to put it mildly, at times. Did did it live up to that like um, not expectation, but I guess that hope? Is that kind of what happened? Did you find yourself feeling that way at the end of it, or similarly? I, I think so because we we suddenly had this record that we were really pleased with on our hands, and it hadn't ever felt that nail biting for us. You know, we weren't really used to to that that way of working you know we i think we all and certainly i thought that we had to put loads and loads of blood sweat and tears into everything for it to be valid and we did do one get to heaven but to the extent where by the time it came out i didn't know if i liked it or not and i had to have that re reassured uh, by by the live part of it really and the reviews and the fact that people liked it you know that's that's where I got my confidence and get to heaven from. Whereas I I was already there with this album. That's really interesting. You know, I have to be really honest with um, a fever dream. It's such. So I've had, I had the chance to live with it for a couple weeks, and what really intrigues me about this record is I felt like it was a very straightforward record, but also that there was so much going on that like you know it's a really weird way to describe it. It's I feel like I can listen to it casually, but at the same time, I feel like I need to like. Uh, X out of my head other things that I'm thinking about to pay attention to it. Like, it's really... It feels like the layers of it. There feels like there's so much layers to go into on that record. Like... That's probably... That's probably what we were after. I mean, we talked about the same thing on Get to Heaven. We we do want people basically to dance and have that escapist element as well as if there there are more depths and more darkness down there if you choose to look. We shouldn't have to hang basic experience of enjoying a piece of music on the radio on those concepts so we wanted to work on on all those levels you know yeah you know i would and interestingly enough i think i could honestly say the title track of the album is um my favorite track of the album you know uh tell me talk to me about that experience like what was it because i feel like that track specifically is such a radically different thing for you that's the newest thing we've got on there like that's probably the the most alien territory for us. Yeah, we haven't done anything quite as dancey as that before, quite as straight repetitive. up repetitive. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't really gone for that before, so yeah, that was kind of new ground. 
and just that one line, you know. And, I mean, we've t- we've gone close to it before, but yeah, we felt like that was a new avenue to explore. And I think and live, that's a highlight as well. And it's only going to get better now. People know it, um, because it's really danceable. And uh, usually, we we sort of play with dance tropes, or, or we do a massive build and then don't do a drop. You know, all these yeah. things. And this time we're just like, well, no, actually, you can dance to this, it's okay. It's still quite an unusual song structurally as well, because it starts in this very kind of sweet 3-4 ballad um, in a major key, and then it it kind of shifts. Um, It's supposed to be a kind of lullaby, and then when you fall into the dream, it's supposed to sort of... For the transition of time signatures and key, it's kind of supposed to take you by surprise well no it's not supposed to take you by surprise it's supposed to just happen without you realising you just kind of go oh wait a second and then suddenly you're thinking where the hell are you and then and then the the beat comes and you suddenly have a new like awakening into the dream as it were was this one of those songs that took like a couple weeks to make or just like a couple days um I wrote the demo it's very similar to what we ended up with actually um I think it's mostly just about structuring the song. It was once once we once we'd made the change. Like the intro was always going to work. It was, it was how long to stay in certain areas and yeah. how to keep interest in it and how to build the, the as a dance track, which James dance obviously track. excelled at. And we were a bit kind of James, can you make this song awesome, please? And he did. <laughs> did the did the type did the song title inspire the album name, or did the album name inspire the title of the song? Actually, that title belonged to a demo of a song that didn't make it, and we liked the lyric and we liked the title. Did it? What was that? Yeah, it was called Symmetry. Was it? <laughs> and it was—I oh. um, can't remember it now. No, I can't. But because there's another that, one that, that kind demo. of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing happens quite a lot. Um, no, it was the called. Same thing happened with Night of the Long Nights. Actually, we Even Dream. Time, the song on the record was called Pleasure Dome for a long time. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, the lyric was, all you do is take me to the Pleasure Dome. And I was like, well, I can't have this. It's like a gay club. <laughs> um, and it was basically recycling, t- take, you know, get to heaven, take me to the distant past. I still, still feel like take me and get me and all that stuff is, uh, is a great lyric. So I keep using it. I'm trying to break away from it. But it's still here on Fever Dreaming Places. It's interesting to hear you guys talk about the music because something I enjoy so much about it is that I can find myself getting so lost within the sonic palettes of your albums and sometimes even the lyrics, but to hear you dissect it that way and to point out certain threads, like, that is a good point. You do bring up Take Me and Get Me and stuff of that nature. And yeah. I feel like it adds to the escapist element of your music now that you've yeah. illustrated that. Wanting to be airlifted out of the situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fucking mind blowing. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got to catch up with you guys again. I just have one more question, but you know, like, honestly, it's always great getting to chat with you, catching up. And you're gonna be back here in the states soon, which I can't um, fucking wait for. Months, hopefully. Yeah, that's gonna be fucking great. Um, so we talked at the start of this about like how Fever Dream will be your fourth record. It comes out this Friday. That's gonna be fucking fantastic. I think this talk might go up on Friday. If it doesn't, it'll be really awkward. But I think it will. Hopefully. <laughs> and um. A Fever Dream will be your fourth album. Does each album, not just the leading up to it aspect, but the aspect of when it's done and it's finished and you get to hold it, do you guys personally, like the both of you, do you find it's yourselves feeling that each album is a chapter for you and the band? Because everything is so different within the albums you do. Like, How do you feel about the band right now with this album? Ooh, 
Good question. I mean, yeah, every album is a chapter because that's kind of how we measure things and that's how we, you've always measured a band's career, isn't it? There's the, the writing part, the recording part, the, 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 the touring part. Um, and then you kind of try to try to close the door on that mindset and try and start something new. But I mean, broad, more broadly speaking, how do we feel about the band on this album? Um, I mean, it's 10 years. That's probably worth mentioning. That's yeah, my it's the sound of us completely in control, I think. And, uh, Maybe for the first time, yeah. Yeah, doing what we want to do without destroying ourselves in the process. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like the band, the, the the version of Everything Everything from Man Alive would be completely shocked to hear an album like Fever Dream? I think the, that band would be shocked by certain aspects of it, but... Uh, we'd be shocked by Man Alive. <laughs> <laughs> you do bring that up a fair bit. No, no, no. I mean, I, we always assumed we would be this kind of band. I think we were. And we set the, the parameters so wide on Man Alive deliberately because we, we, we do. Yeah, we made us so many yeah. places to go. We always talked about it in interviews. We, we used to say we've, we've set out our stall in so many different ways with this record that we can go wherever we want and that's the feeling we always wanted and that probably cost that record individually you know I think that's that maybe was it, it was less successful because it was so kind of scattergun um, but I'm still really really proud of that record and all of them and, I, and I, it definitely set us on the right path yeah, yeah. I, I I revisited that record like about a couple weeks ago. I think a week or two weeks ago. Man Alive, and it, it holds up very well. To be honest with you, like oh, it does. Please, man, I can't believe how old it is now because it's like seven years. Jesus, and that just seems like a really long time. God, I was at uni at the time. Well, we suddenly look like an old and say, actually, it has been ages. That is <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy. You know, before you go, I just want to point out that you said something really, really good there, and I think it illuminates how I feel about a fever dream. You've said that this is us being in control. And to be honest, like, it's funny, like, I love Get to Heaven so much. I always talk about how much I love it. It's most, one of the most creative albums I've ever heard. But something about A Fever Dream feels so distilled. Like, it's a good thing you said control. That's what it feels like. It does feel like control. Well, yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, I think I, some of that comes through maturity as well. You know, we were still, we probably got too mature too quickly on arc, and we wanted to regain some of that kind of rabid, I also think um, Get to Heaven was the mindset that sort of propelled it was very much um, panic and, mm. and confusion and um, not and just being beset on all sides by the world. And this record, is, it's the narrator is kind of saying, don't worry, I've got this. This is bullshit. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about this. Maybe you should worry about that. You know, it's much more winking. Every scary scenario I set out I try to to undermine in this within the same song so it's got much less of the fear that that propels and the it's being I was sort of terrorized in many ways when I made get to heaven and it came out in the record and I don't feel um like anything has that kind of level of control over me now Terrorized? Do you mean within the context of what the record was about, just like the subject matter? Yeah. Just, just by the world. The world was felt like too much, and uh, the Get to Heaven was was um, trying to take control of it. And and Fever Dream is more in control. I feel like a wiser guy. Um, feel a bit calmer and a bit less um, willing to be cowed by various things. 
Yeah. That's a good, you know, I, I know, I love that you said that, because you know what's interesting about that, specifically with a fever dream, is that 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 that, ton, that tonality of the narrator, at least for me as who's as a listener of the album, it's never it never felt cynical even with that. That's what's really interesting. No, it's, it's different. It's it's kind of I've been very cynical and sarcastic in the past, but it's a bit it's a bit different now. It's kind of like um, it's it's more wise than just um, poking fun at everything. It's got more there's more reasons behind it. I only I, I only take down things that that need taking down or, or operate on the level they're operating on things like that it's all very fucking pretentious all this <laughs> that's true well yeah I, I guess the best bit is now people will be able to listen to the record and make up their own minds so guys thanks for chatting with me again it's great to reconnect see you in a couple of months man yeah see you soon take care